This is the NROI Podcast, your source for factual information for USPSA and SCSA competition. This podcast is brought to you by the National Range Officers Institute, United States Practical Shooting Association, and Steel Challenge Shooting Association. Goal rule books can be found at uspsa.org slash rules, scsa.org slash rules, and on the USPSA and SCSA apps available in your Apple App Store and Google Play Store. All rates for this podcast are reserved. No portion of this podcast may be used or redistributed without written permission from the director of the National Range Officers Institute. Rules discussions on this podcast do not constitute an official ruling. The discussions on this podcast are meant to inform and educate. The only official rulings are published as per the bylaws of the United States Practical Shooting Association. Questions about rules should be emailed to rules at uspsa.org. This is episode 46, recorded mid-January 2024. Well, hello everybody. The NROA podcast is back uh, for 2024. I had a little bit longer than anticipated hiatus, but I think we're all better for it. And uh, so we're back in the saddle for season three. Joining me as usual is uh, a director of NROI, Troy McManus. Good evening, Troy. Evening, Kevin. Evening, Jody. And Assistant Director of NROI, uh, Jody Human. Good evening, Jody. Good evening, everyone. All right. So, yeah, we uh, we kind of hoped we'd have the new rule book to talk about tonight, but that is still under consideration. The rules are rule proposed rule changes are still under consideration by the Board of Directors. They haven't met yet, so um, we'll hopefully cover that. Maybe in the next podcast, but certainly in the one after that, and uh, we'll run down uh, any any changes that are occurring. Uh, lots of stuff that I think everybody's going to be pretty happy with. Uh, so we do have one rule change that came out as a result of board action uh, based on the member survey. We did a survey: what, how many, what round count do you want in production? Um, you, the membership, spoke and. Uh, starting January 31st, 2024, the round limit capacity in production is 15. And Troy has a nice blog post that went up this uh, this morning uh, about some of that and how it affects the classifiers. But Troy, why don't we talk in a little bit more detail and depth we can do in a blog post about what changes that's going to mean. Other than the ROs have to now learn to count to 15 so instead of right. instead of 10. So, yeah, like Kevin mentioned, this was uh, a direct response by the USPSA Board of Directors to a member survey on uh, capacity changes in production. Uh, for a couple of years, we heard that the membership wanted 15, but that's sort of an anecdotal kind of response. And so we didn't have a good handle on it, but they put a survey out and it turned out that the majority of the members that answered the survey Wanted 15 rounds, so that's what we're going with. That'll mirror uh, IPSC's limit on production, so they'll be the same. Now, a couple of the arguments were that 15 really didn't gain you much, and, you know, that's arguable. It, it does save a reload from time to time. Uh, so whether you whether you think it helps or not, that's what it's going to be, like Kevin said, on the 31st of January. Uh, it does affect some of the high hit factors for the classifiers. There's uh, uh, 21 classifiers that are affected by it, and those are published in the blog post on NRY.org, uh, along with a, with a, the rest of the table that shows the current high hit factor. Uh, the, obviously, the classifier number, the name of it, the current high hit factor, and a proposed high hit factor. Now, that number is not carved in stone, and it's not a major jump, but it will change some people's classifications. So, uh, any any of those 21 classifiers shot before the 31st are probably going to be uh, not counted because of the change that's coming after the 31st. So if you're a mass director picking classifiers, I urge you to go to nry.org, check out that blog post, and mark those classifiers as something you might want to use after the 31st of January. Um, it's 15 rounds in any magazine after the start signal. Just adds five more rounds to the current production rule. And again, that was a board uh, pass thing. It went through the whole uh, bylaw driven uh, procedure for changing a rule that it, that changes uh, 
equipment in a division. So everything was done correctly, and and that is going to go into effect on the 31st of January. Like Kevin mentioned, the board hasn't met yet to discuss the rules committee recommendations for rule changes. Those are going to be in competition rules, steel challenge rules, and multi-gun rules. Um, so it's my understanding that the next board meeting is going to be live streamed. So if you want to see how the sausage is made, so to speak, uh, then tune into that and you can see the discussion on rules and, and everything else that the board does. So, uh, but yeah, that's gonna, that's the news right now is the production 15 rounds is going to take effect. And again, it will affect some classifiers. So, uh, Hard and fast, high hit factors may not come into effect until we actually collect a little bit of data on it and see. So if people do shoot these before the 31st, then we're going to take a look at those production results for sure and see if it affected the, if it skews the the thing. And these, the classifiers that were affected were any classifier that didn't have a mandatory reload, any classifier that was more than eight or 10 rounds without having a mandatory reload, obviously or any classifier that wasn't shot in strings. So those are usually, you know, six rounds or eight rounds or whatever per string. So uh, these are all the ones that are sort of higher capacity classifiers with some movement in them. Um, and the reload will save a little bit of time or the lack of reload. So that's why the high head factors are probably going to change. But that's pretty much all there is to know about, about production 15. Yeah, it's like when I got into the sport, limited was 15 rounds because everybody's shooting double stack 45s and that's what you could get in a 140 was 15 so it's kind of shades right. of right. It's, what what is old is new again and minor instead right. of major of course exactly yeah so and uh for those of us in states that have limits less than 15 it's still whatever your state is so right yeah, fun times. Um, all right. Um, let's see. I don't remember. I know we had other, I had other ideas. Uh, I know we mail. wanted the fan mail. Oh, fan yeah. Mail. Fan mail. <laughs> <laughs> As we call it. Um, yeah, we, well, specifically Jody's been getting a lot of fan mail um, regarding. Now, now the, I want to clarify when we say fan mail. <laughs> We're not meaning negative. Um, no. I mean, sometimes the tone of them is a little personal, but okay. Yeah, some um, of them are a little brusque. Yeah, but th they've toned it down lately. Yeah. Um, but basically, whenever we have a somewhat controversial question of the month, we do get people. I mean, this one, I think we had five emails uh, of people disagreeing with us. And um, I mean, they are insightful because it does help us realize um, how people are thinking and maybe holes in the way we're teaching the rules. Um, so I thought it'd be, it'd be good if we revisit the question for those of you who missed it and don't read the blog or don't read the blog and then the fan mail and why I haven't answered responded to any of the fan mail because I've been busy for one. Um, but I think maybe, the blog, the podcast is a better way to do it. So this was the December question of the month. And basically the question was during a course of fire, a competitor's belt comes loose and falls off with a loaded and holstered handgun as the RO, what is your call? And the three choices were stop and DQ, stop and reshoot or do nothing. And stop and DQ got 77.7% of the votes stop and reshoot was 17.7% and do nothing was 4.6%. So in the post, I, you know, clarified a little bit. I probably should have clarified that the reason this person had a holstered loaded gun was, you know, maybe the start position was quite a few yards away from the first shooting position. So they had been given make ready, prepared, got the beep. And instead of drawing their gun immediately, they decided just to run full force to the first shooting position and the gun, maybe they didn't have enough retention, just kind of bounced out. I mean, their belt fell off. Sorry. The gun stayed in the holster, um, but the belt came loose and fell off. And so this is 
kind of, you know, we have rules for drop guns that are being handled that are not in holstered. And, um, and we DQ people if they take their belt off outside of a course of fire, outside of a safety area, outside of RO supervision with the gun and holster. But during a course of fire, it's kind of like you're under RO supervision. So what happens? So, and the RMIs discussed this question before we posted it, by the way. Um, so since this was within a course of fire, um, we said that you, it was not a DQ per 5212, which is the rule about taking your belt off with a gun in the holster outside the safety area or not under RO supervision. Um, so obviously during the course of fire, a competitor is under RO supervision. So there, you can't DQ them per that rule. And then, well, the caveat to that one is too that they didn't deliberately remove it; it fell off. Oh yeah, I mean something failed. It fell right? off. Yeah, yeah, they but didn't even, take it off on purpose. But even then, the way that rule is written, they're under yeah. our supervision. And then a lot of people were saying it's just unsafe gun handling. And well, but were they handling the firearm? Um, if you look at the definition of handling. It's the act of manipulating, holding, or gripping a firearm while the trigger is functionally accessible. Well, a gun, handgun that's holstered doesn't have an accessible trigger. So we said it kind of be a DQ under that section. Um, and basically, we, the RMIs decided that it was a, well, if no other safety rules are broken, it's a stop and watch what happens. Or not stop. It's just sit back and watch what happens. <laughs> and um, a lot of people were like, "No, it should. It's unsafe. You should stop them." A lot of people were citing uh, five, two, three, which is um, unless specified in the WSB, the belt carrying the holster and allied equipment must, must be worn during the course of fire. And it was being worn. It just had a malfunction. Um, it's kind of along the same lines of a carry optics competitor who has an optic fall off halfway through the course of fire. We don't stop them. I guess we could have given them an answer of they have two minutes to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have left that option on there. They have two minutes to fix it. I think most competitors are just going to pick up the belt, draw the whole the gun out of the holster, and yeah, well, don't sweep themselves though. That would be the Hopefully. trick. Yeah. yeah. Um, and carry on yeah. at that point once they figure out where my gun went. <laughs> um. So yeah. So some people were saying it it could fall under general unsafe gun handling. Some people were saying it should be because the belt fell off, and the rules say it has to be worn. Well. It's kind of, you know, we have range equipment malfunctions. We kind of have competitor equipment malfunctions, too. And except we don't stop people for competitor equipment malfunctions. Unless it's a squid. <laughs> well, that's a safety issue. And, you know, and if the if the belt falls down and it's wrapped in the competitor's feet, and they're very likely to trip. You know, it, this is going to be one of those situational things that, you're going to maybe maybe stop them for safety if it looks like they're going to trip themselves. But, um, you know, the gun's laying on the ground. So I guess in the this might, might be a good time. We, we've had this for not just this question, but several questions um, at the beginning of 10.5, which is the unsafe gun handling sections. Mm. It says examples of unsafe gun handling include but are not limited to. And people tend to use that as a, well, something happened I didn't like, and so I'm calling it unsafe gun handling for 10.5. Yeah. And we might want to clarify our thoughts on that. <laughs> right. It's, it's vague enough where a lot of people try to shoehorn into it. And, I mean, some things are and some things aren't. I think the key word is handling, and it's a holstered gun. We consider holstered guns to be inert. 
um, somebody wrote and said, well, a gun on the ground is unsafe and, uh, okay. But how so? I mean, is it really, if it's going to make an argument that a gun on the ground is safer than a gun, you know, yeah, Yeah. you know, it's so, well, so, I mean, I get it. People safety should be our number one concern, but you have to temper that with a little bit of common sense and, and apply what's happening to what you can actually cover with the rules, right? If you don't have a rule to hang your hat on, then you can't just make one up and you can't just say, well, I think it's unsafe. Therefore mm-hmm. it is unsafe. I mean, if the rule book doesn't tell you that, then pretty much you're kind of out there in no man's land. Right. But if it's not specifically unsafe, then we're going to consider it. Okay. Yep. Well, it kind of, is, um, related different situation uh there's a on one of the forums there's a thread right now about pcc about how someone had laid their after they shot the course of fire laid their pcc on top of the case facing the berm or at a uncasing area facing the berm and the ro told them that that they can't just walk away from their pcc and leave it like that flagged pcc flagged yeah flag yeah yeah flag within the berm distance of the berm yeah and (laughs) and so the thread keep they they're they're still arguing about it and i'm kind of like the pcc is not going to get up and do anything right i mean if you if you've ever been to a multi-gun match if you've ever been to a multi-gun match there's long guns laying all over facing the berm that's just how it is they're on the staging table they're here they're on the shotgun preload table they're everywhere (laughs) so i don't know if you know it's still back to that whole we we threw a long gun into a pistol match and there's still people who just you know are having some pcc hate so to speak um or I don't know. I, or just people that haven't read the freaking rule book. Well, that can happen too. <laughs> I mean, if if you if you have insomnia, it is a good cure for that. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's also a good way to kill a couple hours on a cross country flight. Especially Somebody wanted sleep. me to make a an audio yeah, book of it. I was just going to bring that up. That when would you, put you to sleep. When are you oh, making yeah. your audio book, Troy? <laughs> <laughs> I make the Samuel L. Jackson version of the audio. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the Canadian version. Yeah, Canadian version. <laughs> no offense to you guys up in Canada listening. We love you. <laughs> we yes, love you. We do. Bless your hearts. <laughs> yep. Well, and looking at the uh, current results on the question of the month for January. I thought I was some fan mail on that one too. I thought I was giving them a softball question. It's a 50, 50 chance. And a lot of people are getting it wrong. (laughs) I think a lot of people missed that rule update. Um, Or yeah, it goes back to, they just haven't read the freaking rule book. I mean, that's a pretty new, that's one we just made this last year or this year, 2023, but, but ostensibly they've been shooting and working matches in 2023 with that, with that rule book. So what else didn't they read? Well, I think it's because yeah. if you have the right R- the RMs are doing their job at a level three and nationals mm-hmm. plates aren't 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 there anyway. So right. <laughs> they just didn't notice. <laughs> so for those of you that haven't answered the question of the month yet, we just gave you a really big hint. <laughs> you can go answer it right and feel good and tell your friends, oh no, I got it right. <laughs> yeah, no, those results I've been watching them and I'm like, huh. <laughs> Not the way I thought it was going <laughs> at all. I mean, that's what happens on Jan- the morning of January first when you need a question. You just kind of like, ah, I'll just use this. I'll just yeah. use this, and it'll be easy. And then you're like, oh, maybe not. Which is good because that means we had a hole in our educational program. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Well, speaking of yeah, speaking of educational programs, we have a new RO course. If you read Troy's column. Uh, issue or two ago, he 
briefly mentioned it, and uh, I kind of think we alluded to it on a recent podcast. Um, right. So, Troy, you want to talk about that? Sure. So, we're going to be instituting a steel challenge range officer class, range officer seminar. Um, my idea for it is it'll probably be a one-day seminar. Um, it'll get people into the steel challenge rules. It'll still cover the basic rules that are the same or identical for USPSA and steel challenge, range commands, safety stuff, uh, divisions, that kind of thing. Um, we won't go into the cardboard target scoring or popper calibration thing, obviously, but we will talk quite extensively about steel target, uh, steel challenge target scoring and, you know, how to differentiate hopefully a, a paint chip from a burner hit on the edge and, you know, proper way to try to take care of your stage, stuff like that. Um, I don't envision a CRO level for that because CRO for us is for USPSA is basically stage design, stage management. And I think I can work that into this, the SCSARO class uh, for quite some time. I, I just had a feeling like if we said you're a steel challenge RO, that that would kind of, I don't know, put a mark on those people, make them feel like a second class citizen or whatever. But this, this seminar is in direct response to people saying that they wanted it. They didn't care if they had an S by their RO thing or steel challenge RO or whatever, whatever we're going to call it. And I haven't decided how we're going to designate it yet, but uh, so, Hey, you know, if they want to do it and they're willing to participate and we get, I, I don't know about you and Jody, Kevin, but I get 10 to 15 to sometimes 25% of a seminar is all steel challenge folks. Right. Yeah. I've and run, so they want to, I've run, I've run classes where we've had a, a, well, a good contingent or a lot of people that did shot both and wanted steel challenge questions. So it right. doesn't hurt. So I'm going to work on, on that. It's, uh, I had a couple of setbacks the end of the year here, so I'm kind of catching up, but, uh, <laughs> I'll get it done. Um, and we'll get that, we'll get that squared away and start signing people up for it. I know one person, that says he wants to be the very first person to sign up and take that seminar. So uh, shout out to Amy Williams. We're going to bring it to Idaho and you can be the first person to take it. Um, but, I, you know, and I think on the flip side, we can do, if you're still challenge RO and you want to cross over and work some USPSA, we might be able to, to do some endorsement or, or some other thing along that line to to get you uspsa certified as well right uh right now the ro certification is good for both disciplines um if it's going to be a singular steel challenge thing there are quite a few more rules and stuff on the uspsa side that you would have to catch up on in order to be completely uh uspsa ro certified but uh my experience a lot of steel challenge folks that's all they like to do and that's great they like to shoot steel challenge that's that's awesome we're not going to force them to do any uspsa stuff you know one way or the other although when they do attend a, a seminar right now they do get forced to do a little bit of uspsa stuff but conceptually it's the same and i've mentioned this before uh along the same lines the training for learning how to score a cardboard target it, use your eyes use your common sense use whatever tools you have available to you it's the same for scoring a steel challenge target. You just don't use an overlay. Uh, they're both visually scored sports. So regardless of whether you heard it ding on the plate or not, if, if that RO is calling a miss, well, then you got to go down there and take a look at it, right? So yeah. it is a visually scored sport. And, you know, I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll, it'll bring more people into the RO fold. Um, and probably help to grow the steel challenge sport within the United States and, and elsewhere. So uh, we've done it. The Canadians do some steel challenge. Uh, some other places that do it. Uh, I know in Mexico, they shoot steel challenge. So there may be opportunities to expand the NROI umbrella a little bit and train some people in a few other places. So We had the that group in Poland that was after us emailing us right. once a month. Yeah. So Yeah, maybe... 
I haven't heard from that guy in a while, but maybe if we institute this, he'll be he'll be interested in it. We can go get some kielbasa or something. Yeah, some pierogi and some kielbasa. Yeah, pierogi, kielbasa, get that some is, beer. That is the homeland. So, right. <laughs> so uh, I'm down with it. I mean, I like I like all of that stuff. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is, if you're going to shoot, do want to do both USPSA and Steel Challenge then you probably should do the USPSA RO certification. And then do the endorsement. Right. And then do the steel and challenge do the endorsement. Yeah. Correct. But if you're going to be if steel challenge both, only. That's a better path. Yeah. If you're going to do steel challenge only, yeah. then this new upcoming course will be for you. Right. Yeah. And all the, and then if you want to change your mind and go shoot some more USPSA, we'll try to figure out a path to do that as well. But mm-hmm. in the same classroom, student count limits and same cost and all that should be. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, if, if y'all don't realize the, the, the dollars that we, that NROI collects, not what the club local club collects, but what NROI collects, um, that, that really largely goes to defray the cost of getting the instructor to your location. So airfare, for the most part, sometimes fuel gas mileage, but uh, right. we do a lot of flying. And if you've flown recently, you know, that hasn't gotten any, any less cheap. And so um, that's, that's just the breaks of the game. Um, so, and it's the same cost to get an instructor there for one day to teach steel challenge as it is for two days for steel challenge and USPSA. And they may still need to stay, you know, that, that second night fly in Friday, fly back out Sunday morning, because they may not be able to get a flight out Sunday evening to get home. Right. Saturday evening or Saturday evening. Yeah. 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 So we, we, I don't think we would transfer that cost to the club. They'd only be on the hook for the one night or the, or the two nights. If you go in Friday and have to stay, uh, and can't leave not I'm sorry, the one night, which would be the Friday night. If you can't fly out Saturday night, then that would be on USPSA. Uh just because flight schedules, we're not gonna make the club pay for that. But so yeah, Kevin's Kevin hit the nail on the head. What what we charge for RO seminars covers basically instructor travel. And then just as a refresher, the rest of the costs for meals and lodging and uh, transportation are up to the club. So you may look on the USPSA webpage and see a $40 per person charge with an $800 minimum if they don't get 20 people. Um, and, but then it'll also say, well, the club's responsible for this. So if you see a club charging you $80, right? Well, what they're doing is making up the costs they're going to gonna have to put out for hotel room, for meals, for transportation, whatever. So. That's why they, you know, they're free to charge whatever they need to charge for it. Um, our NRY hosted seminars, the ones that we put on, we charge sixty five for that, uh, simply because it helps defray the cost of the housing, the couple of little meals that we put on, the coffee and donuts, and the and the sandwiches or pizza for lunch or whatever. So, it still doesn't really cover all of it, but you know, it, it does cover most of it. So, yep. And we also have the new CRO seminar that I did the first class in early November. And it's now everyone is who's enrolled in the CRO class will be taking. So hopefully people will enjoy the revision there. More in-class stuff. Less of us just talking at you. <laughs> right. I, I know my voice will appreciate that one. <laughs> yeah, we have. I think there's already like. Six, six or eight, six yeah. or eight, maybe six, eight. I think there might be eights because I just looked at right. that the other day, um, which is good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's a couple arrows. coming up in January, right? I know I have one. Uh, yeah. January, February, there should be at least a couple. So that's pretty early for those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's Must good. be down in the warm end of the country. Or they have indoor Actually, range. when I'm in New Hampshire, dude. Oh, <laughs> at, an indoor, at an indoor. Is that the one at SIG? Yeah, but their indoor range is tied up. Oh, 
<laughs> so we will be we will be out of doors for that one. Oh, well, Ma- Matt's going to be acclimated for that type of weather. You, I'm not so sure about. <laughs> you know, at, at Costco, okay. I bought some of those uh, the electric hand warmers. Yeah, those things are great. Mm-hmm. Those things are awesome. I'm taking them when I go teach that class in in uh, Massachusetts in early February for sure. <laughs> are those the the ones Zippo makes? Yeah, the rechargeable ones. Yeah, yeah. rechargeable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the power banks some too. Use fuel right yeah, there. yeah, these are the battery powered ones. But yeah, you aren't going to be able to fly with those ones that use fuel. No, but <laughs> the other thing with those is they, you can't shut them off. I mean, nope. <laughs> oh yeah, once you <laughs> light those, yeah. yeah, 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 they're going. So you until need, you ought to need hand warmers for a long time. Yep. All right. So, yeah. So just a. Let me just touch on one thing that we uh, came out in the minutes from the last board meeting. So I put a proposal in front of them, not a proposal, but uh, oh, I don't know what to call it. Maybe a perspective of possibly needing to raise the cost of, of range officer seminars because of the increased cost of uh, airline travel, uh, cost of fuel, cost of hotel rooms, everything, right? Uh, because last year we were, we were pretty much uh, down in our revenue from years past. In the years past, it appeared that we broke even or made a little bit of money. And by a little bit, I mean less than $1,000. Uh, last year, we were down about 13000 So looking at the costs, there were a lot of shipping costs. There were a lot of um, uh, mailing costs. We had two instructors that we had to train, and, and the costs for transporting them goes to NRY, not to the club. So while we needed instructors, it is an expensive thing for us to do. Um, So what we're going to do is we're going to do some cost-cutting measures. We're not going to mail out uh, another set of overlays. We're not going to mail a certificate. We're going to email that certificate, make it digitally available. Uh, You're not going to get a card. You can print your card as well. It'll be a, a PDF version of your card. Uh, We will hand out overlays in the seminar, obviously. And the other swag that we do. Um, and then the Hunter's HD Gold certificates, which some of you may not realize that Hunter's HD Gold will give you a $200 off certificate uh, upon completion of a range officer seminar. So we're going to do those electronically as well. So looking at those costs, uh, which the board asked me to do was take a harder look at the at the actual costs and see if we could cut stuff rather than raising the, the rate. Um, it looks like we can continue to charge $40 a head or $800 a seminar. Um, obviously, it's more if you have more than 20, right? It's $40 per person, but 800 is a minimum. Um, so it looks like we can continue to do that since we won't be training uh, in new instructors next year except for one. And that, as Jody mentioned, Matt's going to New Hampshire with me, but I think that's going to do it for him. So, uh We'll be we'll be done with that. And, uh, so if you read that in the minutes and you're thinking about an RO seminar, which which may be why we've gotten a lot on the books already. I don't know. We ought to do that every year. We've had quite a few in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. um, we weren't going to raise the rate until it was approved. Right. So if you got in ahead of that, it wasn't going to go up. Uh, so it doesn't look like we're going to have to do that. Or if we do, it's going to be a, a nominal amount five dollars or less so we'll see i mean i think i can uh, i just got numbers from terry uh, specific numbers on travel expenses for the instructors we were training and specifics on shipping and postage and office supplies and stuff like that so um i'll get those put together and should be okay i don't think we're going to have to raise the rate so don't panic i think it'll be okay do not panic and tell advice to do so Right. Or you, you, and you come with me. The rest of you panic. That thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't panic. You grab your 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 uh, bath towel, right? Your towel. It. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. Need your towel. <laughs> uh, we're a bunch of nerds. <laughs> uh huh. That doesn't yeah. surprise you, does it? I uh, know. I know we are rules nerds too. So yeah. Man. Right. Yep. Yeah. Bunch of rules nerds. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, you know, we get the star MRIs together, talking rules. Right. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, that's yeah, you know, Troy, you said earlier we might have a short one. Any guys got anything else that uh, we need to talk about? It is a good time if you're thinking about a seminar to get that in. Go ahead and even if we're not going to raise the rates, uh, go ahead and get that on the books. Um, and I, speaking of seminars, I think it's good to point out, you know, so when someone requests a seminar, they get an email from Terry once it's confirmed with the name of the instructor and the registration link and this and this. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't really care if. The, instru- the uh, host doesn't reach out to me when the class is months away. That's fine. Um, but, you know, for those of you who are hosting classes, as soon as you get that link, start advertising it. You know, start advertising it in your club. If your yeah. club has a Facebook page, put it on there. If your section has a Facebook page, put it on there. And try to get people enrolled because we do have a minimum. You know, we require at least 10 students. And even then, usually the club is not going to, they're not going to break even with 10 students. You need, usually need at least 20 to make it, you know, your club, depending on how much registration you charge. A lot of times the seminars are subsidized by a club or a section, but, you know, we need at least 10 students to commit to coming out to teaching the seminar because it's really hard to teach less than 10 students. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, Make sure if you do all this work of committing to host a seminar or, you know, putting all the effort in to host a seminar and request it, make sure you advertise it and try to get people in the class. Um, and, you know, tell people it's not just for people who want to RO. It's also a great way to learn the rules for any competitor. Um, so there's some people who just take the class to become better competitors, not necessarily because they want to be ROs. So, you know. One, before you you put in for a class, make sure you have at least 10 people who are interested. But two, once you get that link, market the heck out of it. And, you know, because there's, I don't know how many times I've taught a seminar and then I see someone at a match, they're like, oh, I I need to do an RO seminar, but there aren't any in my area. And I'm like, well, they just held one at, you know, over there at the neighboring club. Oh, they did? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like people are obviously missing the message um i mean yeah all the seminars are up on the uspsa website but that takes effort to go look um if someone's already following your club on facebook because they come to your matches then they're gonna see it right so don't just you know get that link from when you get that confirmation email from terry that you your seminar schedule just don't let it sit you know advertise it and get people get bodies in the seats we like to come in teaching yeah we like to teach our big bigger classes you know it's better it's good for us it's good for the students you know that cro class 10 is actually a really good number for the cro class just because of the nature of that class there's a lot more discussion um ro class you can do 10 but usually you know, somewhere between 10 and 20 is the best number for a RO class. Yeah. I like 15 right. to 25. That's a yeah, really I mean, good size class. I did 35, which is our max with one instructor one time. Mm-hmm. That was a bit much. Um, yes, it is. Um, but, I mean, they were, they were a good class. So, um, but, you know, if you're going to put all the energy into hosting the seminar, you know, don't advertise. yeah Yeah, i've got a seminar coming up uh, first weekend of february and they're sitting at 14 15 students and i reached out to the class coordinator person for the club and said is this a go or a no-go i says oh no we've got them they just haven't signed up yet all right so i went ahead and booked my flights and uh hopefully you know we're gonna actually have butts in seats but well, and also for those of you, maybe maybe they don't people don't realize for both now the RO and the CRO seminars, there is a pre pretty sizable pre class component that needs to be done before you come. They come to the seminar. Yep, and that's why it's important they register in the USPSA system more than just the day before the seminar, um, because they have some videos to watch. 
uh, for the CRO class, you got to submit a stage design. So um, that's why we stress using the USPSA registration system and getting people because they won't get the email with the link to the classwork until they're in the USPSA registration system. And so. we won't check them off to uh, take their test for the RO class until we see they've completed well, the enough work. Yeah, so. you, you don't pass the CRO class unless you get that pre-course work done either. Yeah. So, so it's it's critical that, you know, they get access to that learning system and get the pre-class materials done. And the reason we've moved to some of that is so like for the RO class, we have like the more background information like what the target types are, what the stage types are, what are the scoring types. We have that all because that's background knowledge. You know, some people come in, they know it really well. Some people don't. So it gets everyone up on up to speed on the same level. So when we get in this seminar, we can really talk about ROs and what their job is and how to do it. Uh, for the CRO seminar, it's kind of similar. We're taking some of the more background stage management kind of uh, information, stage debugging information, and we've put that on the learning system. So um, mainly because when I was teaching it, it was you know kind of the slower part of the seminar and people were just nodding off. Yeah. Uh, but no, we put it in the, on the learning system so people can go through that, you know, they could be cleaning guns while they do it. I don't care. Um, and then when they show up in class, we can do the more engaging, hands-on activities about stage design. And what would you do if you were the CRO and this situation arose? Um, stuff that we didn't have time for before. So we have, you know, done significant. It used to be that you just showed up the day of the seminar and that was it. But now we've changed it to allow for some more hands-on activities during the seminar. Well, yeah, you used to be able to walk in to the seminar and sign up right there. and Oh, yeah, join USPSA the day of. Yeah. Join USPSA the day of and the whole nine yards. And, you know, there were, I, there were seminars where I spent the first hour and a half signing people up for USPSA and filling out paperwork. And then we get finished at 637 o'clock and everybody's grumpy at me. So, <laughs> Well, and then also, you know, we do for the RO seminar, we do have, you know, to odd to register on the online system, you know, without instructor, I won't say interference, instructor assistance, you have to be classified either USPSA or Steel Challenge. And we used to not have that. Like Kevin said, you could become a USPSA member the day of. Um, the reason we have that requirement is because I saw Kevin teach a seminar when I hosted a seminar to people. Half the class had never shot a USPSA match before. It, it was hard. It was a hard <laughs> seminar to sit back there and watch <laughs> because they did not know any of the divisions, what they were. They did not know what the target types were. They did not, they'd never seen a USPSA match. Yeah. They didn't even understand major and minor. And I mean, even the concept of that and yeah, didn't know so, why we did it. I mean, it was, yeah, that, and that was a really long day because uh -huh. we spent so much time down and, and it, mucking around with that well, stuff. And then which it, is, really, it was a disadvantage to people who knew the information already too. So we do have that requirement, um, but like this class I'm coming to teach up in in, Bo in Massachusetts here in early February, there's a whole contingent from coming from New York. They've been shooting for a year, but just recently joined USPSA, so they aren't quite classified. So if if you have people who are like that, just have them contact the instructor. And so I kind of vetted them. They've all shot enough USPSA matches that I think I'm comfortable with them taking the class. And mm -hmm. I manually added them to the class. Yep. So, um, you know, but to, to like a lot of people are like, well, the registration system wouldn't let me sign up. I'm like, well, are you classified? No, not quite yet. Well, that's when you talk to the instructor and the instructor is like, okay, I see that you've shot matches. Okay. And, and we can register you. But we wanted that check and balance just to make sure, you know, it really is. It's hard to teach the class when half the class has no clue <laughs> yeah. what a match looks like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other speaking of vetting, uh, the other thing and we instituted this, gosh, I didn't remember. It's been several years now. Um, folks under 18. Um, there's, oh, yeah. some, there's some restrictions on who can take the class and who can't. Um, and, and if you're under 18, uh, we're going to require uh, some references, not family members. Um, there's an online form for them to fill out for that. Um, so if you're bringing um, a junior with you, 
to the class and there's some age restrictions on how young they can be um, to get certified. And that's all on the website. It's all spelled out along with a link to the uh, form to get the references turned in for the junior. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some solid reasons for doing that. Um, and it's not that we're being mean and that's not that we don't think that, you know, a 17 year old kid can, is, can be a good RO because I know some, some folks, they're, they're not that age anymore, but when they were 16, 17, they were darn good ROs. But, um, you know, it's, it's very individual dependent, just like adults. They're 30 year olds that are great ROs and there are 30 year olds that are okay ROs. So, you know, it's, it's, but just be aware that juniors do have a little extra stipulation. Now there's nothing that says that if space available, they can't just sit there and gather the knowledge. They just aren't going to get certified. Um, that's nothing wrong with that. So. Well, and that's another thing. If let's say it's been a good 10, 12 years since you took your RO class and there's your clubs hosting an RO class and you just want to audit it and get a little rules update or see how we've changed the seminar. Um, if, you know, as far as I know, as most instructors, as long as there's room and the host yeah. is okay with it, it's a space um, available thing. And sometimes, yeah, I'm fine. Sometimes with the hosts want you to throw in, you know, five bucks for lunch or something. Yeah. But, you know, most of the time it's just like, oh, no, it's, you know, we got plenty. Come on in. I've had like, you know, so a lot of times the host is a RL already and they sit through the new seminars and they're like, wow, these are a lot better than when I took it. <laughs> Or you guys have changed it a lot. It makes a lot more sense now. Well, they're a damn sight better than when I took it because it was overhead <laughs> transparencies. <laughs> well, when I took it, we started at chapter one and went through chapter 12 yeah. in order. Oh, yeah. Uh, I taught many of those as is Troy. And uh, so, yep. So, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, well, it, anyway, um, get those seminar requests in. Um and if you're if you're going to specifically request an instructor, just be advised that we can't always honor that. Um, and that's you know it there we have limits with the instructor core as to how many requested seminars they can have um, in a year. And if they're already at their limit, then you're going to get somebody else. Um, and that's just that's just kind of the breaks of the game. Now local seminars where the instructor sleeps in their own bed and just drives to the range, um, teaches the class and goes home and sleeps in their own bed again. Um, that's a different story, but, um, but, uh, yeah, but get those, get those requests in. Um, it's really important when you're filling out that request form. If you're in a town name that we aren't going to recognize without consulting Google maps to tell us what airport we're going to need to fly into. Um, because on this, class in uh in february that i'm going to i would have guessed wrong <laughs> as to which airport i might need to fly into um so just you know be be you know there's a whole bunch of stuff we ask for um you know please go be sure and fill all that out and we ask you for two dates and that is not the date for saturday and the date for sunday we need two separate weekends yeah um, or the same date for both or the same date yeah. twice and <laughs> You know, we, you know, if you give us the same date twice or two consecutive days and we can't find an instructor, we're going to, Terry's going to be reaching out and going pick other dates. So, you know, right. there's a bunch of us have other stuff going on. We have, we have our own lives. We have uh, families, we have other commitments. And some of us still have day jobs. <laughs> yeah. Keep, don't remind me. I was lying to myself until Monday or oh, Tuesday this week. I think there's um, only what, four of us? Uh, let's see, you, me, Gary, Matt. Yeah. I think that's it. Well, I don't know how much, you know, if Evans is really retired yet or if he's still. I think he's really retired, retired now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, he tapped ass around that for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, who knows if we have a good fire season and he starts missing breathing fire smoke and then they and they call right. and offer him a stupid amount of money he might unretire for a bit right but yeah so 
but yeah, some of us do have day jobs. I mean, we, we got, we're, you know, we got other stuff going on. So, um, and you can't all request Troy that he's, well, and also, you really can't go to every <laughs> class, <laughs> you know, and also keep in yeah. mind. If you- oh, did we lose Jody? When you're picking match dates or class dates, uh, take a look at the major match calendar for the matches around you and don't pick a class date. That's your sectional or your area or a nationals, um, especially a nationals, because a lot of the instructors are working nationals and you're just not going to get an instructor. Um, that's just kind of the way it works out if you pick a national state. So um, just be a little thoughtful about picking dates um, when you're, when you're, right. you know, look at the calendar um, and check. So, and if we can't do it on your dates. Yeah. 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 And if we can't do it on your dates, Terry will reach out and you can pick some other dates and, you know, we'll, we'll keep working with you until we had one went what, three, four rounds last year, picking dates before we finally were able to get him an instructor. Um, I think the first date was an area match and the second date was a nationals. And it's like, you're just not going to get an instructor. So, <laughs> um, so, all right. Anything else we should cover before we tie the ribbons on this one? Oh, I'm good. Well, thanks, everybody. And remember, if you have questions uh, regarding the rules, rules at USPSA.org, and we will get you um, a, an answer as soon as we can. Yeah, Jody just hit the chat, said her internet is not well. So um, we will get you an answer um, shortly. And uh, we we love those questions because they help drive the podcast. So the question's been a little sparse other than the uh, fan mail that Jody's been getting. Right. Um, so. You know, keep those questions, keep those cards and letters coming, as they used to say. There you go. Back when there were cards and letters. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.